Grab your popcorn and silence those cell phones because the show is about to start. Rick and Nick Talk Flicks. Rick Blaine is an award-winning film critic featured on thebigscreen.net.org and has been highlighted on over 75 unreleased independent film posters in less than 12 different countries. Nick Brown. He's been the high school projectionist for the AV Club for over nine semesters and can be heard nightly at the theater talking loudly in the row behind you about the film being screened. And now, they're joining forces. Ladies and gentlemen, Rick and Nick Talk Flicks. Well, believe it or not, we have reached that point in the year where we have to start thinking about the rest of the year at the box office. You saw the colored leaves. One or two of them out there already. There are? Darn it, anyway. A few out there? Mm. Oh, wow. There are... The Halloween department is already up at Menards. I saw it today. Uh, I can't believe it. Just classic. It's mid-August. Come on. It's Come a on. good time to look ahead to what is ahead. Welcome to Rick and Nick Talk Flicks. I'm Joel Hoover. I'm Dave Brooks. And we are sponsored by the Bemidji Theater, which is on Highway 2, just down from the airport. Great remodel that's going on inside in the theaters with the screens, with the sound, and especially with the seats. Oh, it yeah. has been a big hit in there. People have been loving it. And there's been great attendance at the Bemidji Theater this summer. I know I've been there several times now to go see movies, and it's been cool seeing what a great attendance it's been all summer out there at the theater. So been to a couple sellouts, which is pretty good. Yeah, really, really cool. So we're glad to be sponsored by the Bemidji Theater right here in town on Highway 2, just down from the airport. Well, Dave, what's new? Sadly, what's not new is that the strikes are still going on, both on the writer's front and on the actor's front. It's all still going. You may mention to me before the podcast today that there's some talks that are going on, but it's not really anything too concrete. Hard to say exactly what it is, but it seems like uh, the studios have at least approached the writers, officially, unofficially, and made some proposals. That at least there's some kind of talk. There's no, as of the moment we're doing this, it doesn't sound like there's anything imminently coming. But who knows what's going to come down the pike. But, you know, um, one of the promises that hadn't been addressed until, I guess, fairly recently was AI. We're not going to replace you with computers to write all the stuff for you, which is good. Um, oh, so they have settled that. No, they haven't settled it, but they've at least been talking about it, and it just hasn't been on the table until apparently the most recent chit-chat. So what's going to come of it? Who knows? And right now, nothing, but um, at least it's something. It's a talk, and that's just with the writers. So nothing seems to be coming around with the actors. Hmm. Um, but we're going to start feeling the pinch on this pretty quick because a lot of fall shows that are getting ready to make their debut in the next month or whatever – they're not going to be if there's a scripted show. They're not because they would have started filming somewhere midsummer, and all the strikes were underway at that point. Uh, there are going to be reruns. There's going to be a lot of unscripted shows in the interim. You're going to start feeling this pinch quickly, and the later we go, the more pinch you're going to feel. Are you a Jeopardy guy, Dave? Yeah, I know where you're going, and uh, not necessarily. But I will give a shout out. I won't say her name. I don't want to embarrass her, but she was my uh, the the dance I went to in high school was called the Sweetheart Dance. It was kind of like Sadie Hawkins, sort of the girl asked the guy, and she was on Jeopardy in the last year. Uh, one of the episodes that Mia Bialik was hosting. Cool. And it wasn't her. And she won and got to come back the next week, so I have dated a Jeopardy champion. Wow. Word up, Mara. Okay. The only thing is, <laughs> getting back in... <laughs> yeah, getting I haven't back talked in... to her in decades, but still, it's fun, to, <laughs> it's fun to have a little note like that. Well, 
the news is, I mean, for one example of how the impact is going to be made on shows, what they're going to do with Jeopardy is they had some questions that were already in the can, but now they're going to go back and recycle old ones from the, what, 39 seasons or so that they've done of Jeopardy. They're going to have to go back and get recycled stuff because they don't have the writers in the room to be able to do the research and to get content for them to be able to make questions. So... That's the state of it. There's one example right there, and that's not even in a drama-based show. That's in a game show. But there's a good example of what's happening on the writing front and how that is going to be impacting things in the very near future, and that's just the writing strike. If you haven't felt the pinch yet, you're going to, and it's only going to get worse as we go. But um, whether something gets done in this calendar year, it could go into next year. Maybe cooler heads, or not even cooler heads, just kind of, Guys, let's just do this right, and let's just—we just have to face facts, and we just gotta pay the people, and that's kind of what it comes down to. And you can't do everything on the cheap; it costs money to make money, and Hollywood makes gargantuan amounts of money, despite the Hollywood accounting issues. Yeah. Yeah. Now, with the movies that are being released the rest of the year that we're going to talk about, take this in mind. Keep this in mind as we go into this episode. We're not anticipating that the strikes are going to be impacting these films. It's possible with some of these films, especially later in the year, that there could be potential holdups in when these films get released. It's next year in particular that stands to be suddenly fluid for when some of these projects and films may be released because not as not as if it's COVID all over again as far as films getting moved back, but there could be quite a few that will be getting shifted if these strikes continue. You know, when COVID went, we did our preview episodes like, well, we're looking at the spring of 2020. Well, that didn't really pan out necessarily. We never took that episode down because it is kind of an interesting snapshot, but pretty much anything during the COVID years, whatever we said the preview with was uh, certainly up for um, adjustment. And so is this. You know, they could need a reshoot on something coming up that, well, that's not going to happen. Because actors are on strike. So stay tuned. Any and all of this is, tend- is uh, tentative to change if uh, it's a date or it gets pushed back or just yanked or whatever. So stay tuned. The nice thing is, is we don't have much for spoilers to warn you about because these are all movies that haven't come out yet. Unless it's some kind of sequel, then there yep. may be a spoiler involved there. All so right, fair. Just bear that in mind. But yeah, not too much else going on otherwise that's new or of note. So Let's start looking ahead at what is new and coming to theaters over the next four months. We're going to take this all the way from September 1st all the way through the end of the year, give you a rundown of what's hitting theaters. Bearing in mind, this is not an exhaustive list. We're going to get into some of the main projects that are going to be out there, but there's a lot of other stuff that that gets released that sometimes flies completely under the radar and maybe is happening more commonly than ever. True. And there are things that will show up on maybe a streaming platform that they've just kind of been tight-lipped about and hasn't come out. So this is certainly not the end-all, be-all list, but this is, as of mid-August, what has tripped our radar for the next remaining four-plus months of uh, 2023. So we are just over... Two weeks away from Labor Day weekend, and that's where we're pretty much going to get started. And we jump right into Sequelitis September 1st. Uh, We've got the third Equalizer movie. We have Denzel Washington is back. Uh, Dakota Fanning shows up in this one. Um, Weren't they together in, was it Girl on Fire? I think they were together in a movie previously. 
I think. Wasn't uh, that her? I can't I'd have to look it up. Recall. That was that was off the top of my head, so don't worry about it. So The Equalizer, though many of you ought to know by now, because two of the movies have already come out, this is based off the 1980s show where imagine kind of a James Bond-type guy retires, goes into private service uh, where you can contact him if you need a little help, kind of like the A-Team, but much more slick. Edward Woodward was the original character, very British. This is not exactly that. It's a guy that's got a special set of skills, not unlike Liam Neeson, who kind of goes more vigilanteism on his own, I guess, rather than his for hire. But they are, they're not bad. Girl on Fire, yep. 2004. There we go. I knew Starring that. Denzel Washington and Dakota Fanning. I wonder if he said, yeah, Well done, Dave. It's been a while. It's been like 20 years. Let's do another movie together. Okay, Denzel. That's cool. Yeah, so, but the latest in the series for The Equalizer. Have you seen either of the previous two? Because I have not. I have. They're not bad, but it's um, uh, they're not bad, but they're not what the show was. And the show is what the source material is. So is it faithful to the source material? Not really, but not to the point where I'm like, this just isn't that at all. Plus, you now have the Queen Latifah equalizer yeah that's out there too. and that's closer to what the source material was and really what it was you know the a-team and equalizer were kind of variations on the same side where the a-team were a bunch of mercenaries that are kind of for hire and uh the equalizer was more like james bond stiff upper lip british guy yeah you know who is for hire if you have a problem and you can't find help through normal channels he can help and this is the american version yeah of what that looks like which by Robert- the way in this one apparently he ends up in southern italy taking Taking on the mafia. Yeah, but it's it's never somebody that hires him. It's somebody who recognizes there's a problem and he just kind of intercedes. And so he uses his skills from his previous job as Robert McCall. Uh, but it's it's not for hire. It's just I see there's a problem here. I'll step in. I will I will act. That's kind of how it is. It's not that unlike Taken in a way, except less personal. I guess. But they're good. They're just not what the show was. Uh, I think the new revitalized show is much closer to that than the movies, but the movies are they're decent. They're good. One trend you're going to notice here over the next two months, September and October, horror movies are not only frequent, but very spread out. Yeah. It's a head start going into Halloween this year because we're looking at September 8th for the first of these horror kind of films that we have, some that are straight-up horror, some that are pretty darn close to being in the genre. Go further back than that. You go back to this past July, The Haunted Mansion came out in the middle of summer. It didn't do all that well, but if you think about the strategy, A, you got a lot of other spookyish movies to contend with, and B... Well, this is going to give it perfect timing to come out on Disney Plus right around Halloween time. So, all right. But, yeah, there's going to be a fair amount of some spooky movies coming out this uh, both September and October. All of that to lead into talking about The Nun 2, which is coming out on September 8th. Sequel to the the first one, which was just a few years ago that was released. Did well enough that it was able to spawn a sequel, which I believe is going to be set in France. And it's all spun off of the Conjuring franchise. So you get get the Conjuring movies and the Nun is in the background. And then there was, they did the Annabelle spinoff movies. Now they've got the Nun spinoff movies. Uh, There's some others too. So this is all in the Conjuring universe. And this one might be the... They're all straight-up horror, so I don't know how you could say this is the most intense of all of them. But eh, we could see. this. The Nun character has been a pretty good, freakish character. and uh, Sure makes for, for freakish imagery on some of those posters and stuff. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Boy. 
Not so, to mention the commercials. And the fun thing is, it's kind of interesting behind the scenes. She was fun in the, about the nun. <laughs> fun about the nun. She starred in the first The Nun movie, and that's Tisa Farmiga, and she is the real-life younger sister of Vera Farmiga. The younger sister, okay. Who stars in the Conjuring movies and has made some other appearances in some of the spinoffs also. They are real-life sisters. There's an age gap between them, but they're real-life sisters, and the fact that now you've got the younger sister showing up in these movies, too, it's just kind of an interesting footnote. So Tysa Farmiga showing up in The Nun Part 2. Very cool. And to counter the rock the boat on that very same weekend, you get people screaming and running <laughs> out of Theater A, while people in Theater B are going to be laughing and rolling because the third My Big Fat Greek Wedding is coming out, and everybody that's still around is back for this one. Uh, Nia Vardalos, of course, is starring and directing it. John Corbett is back. Um, They're taking a a trip to France, Italy, somewhere out in Europe. Uh, Kind of a family reunion, also kind of a a wake for a family member that's passed. Well, they are fittingly having a family reunion in Greece. Yeah. It is Greece itself. So that, that series amazes me because I remember when the first one came out and my mom I believe watched it. It was like back in the early 2000s, yep. right, that the first one came along. My mom watched it. I remember a lot of people really latched on to the first one and oh, were yeah. really interested in it. It resonated. It was funny. It was one of those in that dying breed of romantic comedies that really worked well there in the early 2000s. Now it's a genre that you and I have talked about in the past is trying to revive itself a little bit and find new ways to come back and keep going. And this this series has kind of been spread out over several decades now, about two decades or so that it's been around, but it's had very spread out films and projects that have been done along the way. There was an attempt at a TV series that was done too, and they keep finding opportunities to be able to keep it going. But the one is the, it's the question that keeps coming up when you've got a sequel. I'd seen the first one. It was a funny, charming movie. I hadn't seen the second one. And everyone that I've talked to that saw it was like, yeah, it's okay. Just, why are we doing more? Is it something that people are wanting to? Or is this, look, I don't have a whole lot more going on. Let's is do there more one. here to do? Yeah. Are we doing it just to do it because, you know, ka-ching, ka-ching? Or do we really have something to be said? I mean, for every... Every, oh, I don't know, pick a franchise that had the next entry. Every Pirates of the Caribbean Part 12 that nobody really wanted. Um, there is the Cobra Kai spinoff to The Karate Kid. That is fabulously good. They clearly had something to say. I don't know what this one will be. Could it be a revitalization? I truly hope so. I hope so. Speaking of putting a spin on a sequel, we've got the third in the latest rendition of the Hercule Poirot Agatha Christie stories. A Haunting in Venice that is being released on September 15th. I have seen the trailer, and this is spooky as all get out for what you would expect to be an Agatha Christie murder mystery. We've seen Murder on the Orient Express. We've seen Death on the Nile with Kenneth Branagh as Hercule Poirot. This looks like it is stepping pretty much as close to the realm of horror as you can with these murder mystery stories involving the Poirot character, who apparently is retired by this point, but is brought out of it in a rather creepy-looking story that he's going to end up in. I'm liking that we're seeing a lot more of Kenneth Branagh in the last, I don't know, couple years. He's showing up in all kinds of things. Oppenheimer, he shows up in that. Uh, He's a fabulous actor. He just is. Um, and I'm, I love that he's sinking his teeth into this role. I've loved the first two. This definitely looks like a departure, though. It doesn't look like it's so much of a whodunit. I mean, it looks like it's a legitimate 
paranormal. Whoever got killed is the ghost coming back or something along those lines. And yet there may be more to it than meets there ver- the eye. There very well could be much more to it than meets the eye, especially if it's an Agatha Christie, and that's always kind of a murder whodunit. So it could be an interesting backdrop, but it's one not to let slip by. And it, while the first two were kind of you know very stylistic thrillers and, and fairly well done, this looks to have a bit of a different flavor to it, straight up horror. Edge. Yeah, a edge. A bit of an edge, yeah. So Haunting in Venice comes out September 15th. Now we've got, um, I don't know if you can call it a reboot, maybe a reboot sequel, but The Expendables are back. Expendables 4. And this one, you've got <laughs> Stallone is still in it, but he has made it clear this is going to be his last one, and he's really stepping back. He's got a smaller part in it. Jason Statham has kind of taken the lead. Dolph Lundgren is back. Andy Garcia steps into this one. Um, yeah. Who've got something he'd like to share? <laughs> I, I saw the trailer and just was cracking up going, they're really doing this again. There's nothing quite like getting your buddies together for another impossible Dirty Dozen-esque mission and doing it all over again for yet a fourth time. It, these movies kind of have become a caricature a little bit in some ways, and I think they kind of embrace that. And yeah. They go into it embracing that. And if you want to go there for a shoot 'em up good time with your buddies on an impossible mission, I suppose that's that's what you're getting here with the Expendables. But Stallone still being involved, like I, I'm like, how? Are they going to parachute him out or something like that? What? How in the world? I wonder aloud, and I have not seen the movie. I don't have any insight, so this is just me, myself, and I saying this. I wonder if he's only going to barely be in it to be killed off. And so maybe that's a motivation. I don't know. Or it could be like the Rocky series that spun into the Creed series where he's out of them now. Rocky did have some cancer scare, fought it, beat it, and just basically at the end of the movie, just, yeah, I think I'm out now. And almost to those verbatim words, said as much, and that's the last we've seen of him. Went to see his son. Went to see his son. So it could be something similar. I don't know. These movies, I always wanted more for these movies. I mean, I think the third one delivered the best. But none of them delivered like, oh, my God. God, that was awesome. This should be like the all-star game of action heroes. And just the scene, especially in the first one, where you have Stallone and Schwarzenegger and Bruce Willis sharing that that iconic scene. You've never seen those three action heroes together until there. They had cl- clearly had fun with it, but the rest of it beyond that one scene was just kind of, it needed another pass. It just, eh, we'll see what this one's going to do. I, I hope everyone's enjoying their payday, because I, I, I hope that's, <laughs> Not what these movies are really becoming, but I have I have suspicions otherwise. Meanwhile, we go to Netflix for that other film that is coming out on September 22nd that was of note. A little bit on the lighter side when it comes to action-adventure. Spy Kids is back. This brings me back to my childhood, Dave. Spy Kids Armageddon, which is essentially a reboot of the whole thing, right? Yeah, it's going to be a reboot. Uh, Some of the people that have been involved before, Rodriguez, of course, uh, they're involved. I don't know if any of the kid actors that are grown up now, if they're going to show up. I don't know that they are. But uh, you got a good cast. Gina Rodriguez is in this. Zachary Levi. They're the parents. They're the parents. Uh, Zachary Levi has been in the Shazam thing lately, which has kind of gone a little sideways lately. But 
um, he's a good talent. This could be an interesting one. Is this, again, going to be a good reboot? They just want to keep the franchise going? Do they have something to say? Same questions apply. It's on Netflix, so there's some question marks there because it's only going to go to streaming. Yeah, that doesn't necessarily mean what it used to mean back in the day. Direct-to-video was a death sentence. Direct-to-streaming, there's been some amazing movies that have gone direct-to-streaming that are absolutely, you've got to check it out. Um, but uh, I don't know what this one is. And Spy Kids came after my thing, so I'm not nostalgically attached to it. Uh, and each of the Spy Games movies, to those I know that are attached to it, each one, you know, like the rule of sequels, each one is less good than the one before. Um, so this one being a reboot, are they doing it for real? Or, gosh, my wallet's a little tight. I need to stuff it. Let's do another Spy Kids. Let's do another Expendables. I hope for the best. I really do. Well, yet again... We step into the horror realm on September 29th. How in the world has it been 10 films? Somehow, someway it has. Saw 10 comes out September 29th. Is this supposed to be the end? They've had, how many ends have there been already? Yeah, I, I mean, don't know how many times. Both of the lead oh. characters and the actors who play them, Tobin Bell, Shawnee Smith, they've already died in these movies. But they, like Jason from other horror movies, keep coming back. They find a way. Um, so if this is some sort of time travel thing or hologram thing, I have no idea. But this is going to be, and there's been a couple of spinoffs. Saw has been making a bit of a comeback. We had the, the Jigsaw movie not long ago. Chris Rock involved in the in the franchise. So now we're back. Uh, seems like we're getting to familiar territory. If this is your thing, then this is definitely worth noting. But um, it's, after, the I think, the second one, maybe the third one, I was like, yeah, no. I saw a couple after that, and I was like, yeah, I think I'm off. Yeah, but I, that, I never, I have never seen them. Never, thought, it's just not my style. You know the whole the, the subgenre porn, they gore porn, they call it or torture porn. Nope, not my thing. But I will say that the original Saw in particular, the second one also, they had other things that were salvageable about those movies. And then after that, less so, less so, less so. How are we going to do with number ten? I don't know. Uh, but if it's good and you like it. Let me know, but I won't be the one to tell myself, boy, that really was good. I'm glad I spent the 750 but you should. Tell me about this other one that's coming out on the 29th. So this is, uh, I can't tell you the name by law of the, uh, the source material that this is based off of. It's an off-Broadway musical, and I cannot tell you the name of it because it's indecent. But the name of the movie... So it is... It, okay. It's gotcha. more than the name of the movie. The movie here is called Dick's the Musical. It's got a great cast. Megan Mullally, you know her best from... Uh, uh, oh, my goodness. Oh, don't even tell me. I can't remember the name. Um, as, no, it's not that one. Come on, come on. Oh, I'll get around to it. I'll figure <laughs> it out. Nathan Lane is in it. Megan the Stallion. Are you sure she's in it. you don't want me to tell, tell you? Tell me, tell me. It's a TV show. I know it. Tell it's me. It's an NBC TV yes, show. Yes, 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 yes. It was Will and Grace. Will and Grace. Thank you. Yep. I knew that. I just couldn't get past it. And she showed up a lot in Parks and Rec because she's married to Nick Offerman. Yes. Um, this is about. Oh, my gosh. They're crazy in that show. Oh, yeah. It's anyway. a, it's, uh, and Will and Grace, good show. I just for some reason, I had a mental block breakdown thing. That's how it goes when we're doing this podcast sometimes. It's a musical about identical brothers and some of the shenanigans that they get into. I, I hear it's a pretty good source material. This could it's be A24 that's doing this, yep. which was really interesting when I saw that. I was like, huh, because they, they've had hit after hit after hit as far as well-received, critically acclaimed movies. They don't seem to be making things like we've kind of repetitively in this very podcast brought up, yeah, but why are they doing it? They really seem to have things to say, and they're picking good projects that have things to say. This is one, 
It's going to be a raunchy musical. Let's just put it that way. But if this is up your alley, this could really be something special. I don't know if it's going to go gangbusters or anything, but good is good. Whether it is a huge box office hit or not, this could be a real diamond in the rough if this is your thing. Musicals aren't for everybody. Raunchy comedies aren't for everybody. But if uh, you like either or both of those, this could really be a match made in heaven. Dick's The Musical comes out of the end of September. It's not written down here, but I have another film I want to throw out there that's coming out on the 29th. And I've seen... Really only posters for it. I've seen, there's trailers that are out there too. There was a teaser that was released back in May as well. Have you heard about The Creator, Dave? I have. Yes, it's from Gareth Edwards who directed Rogue One, which had done very well. And because the poster is said from the director of Rogue One, and with the way that The Creator is written out font-wise, some people have gone, is this a Star Wars movie? Because it is sci-fi. As well, but it is something entirely separate. It's got a really good cast. John David Washington is starring in it. Ken Watanabe, Allison Janney, among many others, are going to be in there. It's about somebody who's trying to end a war between the human race and and artificial intelligence and something that's going on there. And so trying topical. to trying to find this creator who has developed this this weapon that's been involved, uh, that it's kind of standing at the center of the war itself. So a little vague, a little bit interesting. Some of the names that are attached to it just make this uh, an intriguing film on the surface. It's 20th Century Studios that's, that's doing this as well. That's the most I've heard about it, actually. Uh, I, I know of it, but I didn't know much about it. I now know more now than I did two minutes ago. So yeah. September's looking to be chock full with opportunities, uh, we turn the corner into October, starts getting a little more busy. We've got another one that is Martin Scorsese, who is you know one of the all-time best filmmakers ever. Leonardo DiCaprio joining him, Robert De Niro, John Lithgow, who's an amazing actor. I mean, he could do yeah. funny, he could do scary. He is awesome. I'd love to see him with De Niro and DiCaprio. It'd be great. Killers of the Flower Moon. This is going to be not unlike The Irishman, which came out a few years ago. It was a Netflix exclusive. This is going to be a long movie. It's going to be, I'm hearing, in excess of three hours long. So like The Irishman, consider it like a short three-part miniseries. It'll be one big long movie. It just... Three hours, 26 minutes is what it's timing out as. I've seen the trailer several times when I've been to the theaters to see some other movies this summer, and... It's very, very interesting. Like it, it has, it has some ties to history. I'm not sure if it's going to be like truly, fully based on a true story, or if there's going to be some fiction thrown in as well. But it's based in history, and it's based in an investigation that took place back in the 20s with J. Edgar Hoover involved and the Osage tribe that's involved too with this story. You know, I I haven't seen this movie, so I don't want to speak critically about it. Uh, I have a problem with movies that just run out their welcome. Uh, so I have seen The Irishman, and the, what I can tell you about that is, are there scenes I could think of off the top of my head that could have been thrown out to make that movie a little more palatable to watch? You're darn tootin'. Some people need to uh, yield the editing pen just a little bit. I know he's a name. I know he's a guy who you know can do no wrong. Yes, he can. Uh, it just, a three and a half hour movie I'm a big fan and I'm a Scorsese fan and they're all tending to be long about every movie he's ever done but three and a half hours long somebody needs to stand up and not be a yes man and say look you gotta either do a kill bill with this and cut it in half and do part one part two 
or you need to edit this thing down. So I'm sure great scenes and great performances will reach the cutting room floor. That's what the optional extras are for. Um, I'm sure it'll be a wonderful movie, all three seasons of it. It's gotten, well, it's gotten really, really good acclaim that came from when it premiered at Cannes. I don't doubt it. Back in May. I don't doubt it. And by the way, it's based on a book from 2017, and it was a nonfiction book, so this is based in history here yeah. that, that we've got with this story. So It sounds fascinating. Some movies, Zodiac is a long movie, but I can't think really of anything significantly I would cut from that movie before you start losing things. And it's a great movie. Maybe this is the case here. Boy, you could think of a place to cut it down from a three-and-a-half-hour movie, but honestly, I can't think of anything I'd cut. Well, Fair point, maybe. Well, to that point. Did you feel that way about Oppenheimer, a three-hour no, movie, and yet it needed to be? It clipped along really well. It just depends how do you use the time, how well, how useful is all that time, or does it drag in certain portions? You know, I'm I may be becoming across a little critical. Maybe I woke up on the wrong side of the movie chair this morning, but. Um, you know, there are some big names that we're going to touch base on, and this is one of them right here where sometimes people think some people can do no wrong. Yeah, but it's so-and-so. That is not true. You need to challenge these people no matter what. I believe, at least under the George Lucas era, that's the first step that went wrong with Star Wars. It was too many yes-men associated. George let him do his thing. No, no, it didn't really go so well. It's not getting a whole lot better with the Disney rule. Stand up and say something. Look, could we maybe dot, dot, dot. Could this be shorter? Could this be different? We're going to get a Ridley Scott before this podcast is over, but Martin Scorsese, he is one of the best. I'm just going to leave it at that. I've said my piece. All right, let's go to a another horror movie and one that's actually a prequel, Pet Cemetery Bloodlines, that's coming out that same day on October 6th. Now, this appears to only be on Paramount Plus that this I'm is coming hearing, out, right? I'm hearing maybe a brief theatrical release, too, but stay, these things are always kind of up for last-minute negotiations, so stay tuned. Uh, of course, Pet Cemetery is a Stephen King book. It's been uh, adapted for the big screen twice, and both versions pretty good. The one back in 1990, I think, Fred Gwynn, who was uh, you know Herman Munster, and the judge and My Cousin Vinny is uh, one of the better well-known people in that role. It was pretty, it's dark. It really is. And if you have kids, it kind of changes your perspective. I've seen it a couple of times. And then I saw it when I had a kid. I don't think I ever want to see it again because of that. Um, but that's just because it's it's Stephen King. It's supposed to make you feel weird. So it, it did a darn good job. The second one, the, the remake, I should say, also was a pretty good job. But same same reason. I've got kids, and I don't think I want to see it for that reason. Um, so this one, if, if it's something that you like being disturbed, and that's kind of what spooky movies are for, that's what Stephen King does best, worth worth checking out. What is totally killer? This looks fun. This really could be one a that's... A horror comedy. yeah. This one, so it almost has a vibe. A couple, a few years ago, there was a movie called Happy Death Day that came out. That was a straight, legitimate horror, but legitimate comedy. Almost like Friday the 13th crosses with Groundhog Day, and you kind of relive the same day where you get killed over and over and over by this masked killer, and you got to figure it out. This one, you go back in time. So it's, it's totally 80s, you guys. And there's a masked killer that is out to, you're out there to try to stop time or to stop this this event that you already know is going to happen. So it's not set in the 80s as much as it is set in present day, but somebody from the present day goes back to the 80s with knowledge of what happens, and now they've got to put it right 
but it's totally set in the 80s. It's totally radical. It could be a really funny show. It's totally killer is the name of it. It's like Back to the Future if you were jumping back to the 80s yeah. when Back to the Future came out. Exactly, as we, except it's not uh, Biff. Right. It's guy. It's a killer who's coming out to get you. Yeah. Kierman Shurpka is in this. You might remember her from Mad Men. Uh, Julie Bowen, she was the one of the moms from Modern Family. This movie really could come out of nowhere and steal people's uh, attention and hearts and dollars. It's a blue Bloomhouse movie as well. In fact, Jason Bloom is one of the producers. This, you know, Bloomhouse is going to hit and miss with some things, but this one sounds very inspired. It sounds very original. The question we keep bringing up, are they doing it just for a reason or are they just doing it to do it? I think they've got a reason here. I think they've got some inspiration here. They've clearly got some good talent connected to it. If it all comes together, this one could be another diamond in the rough. It's Don't an, count it out. It's an Amazon Prime release as well, so keep that in mind too. Following weekend, October 13th, we've got The Exorcist back with Believer. How many Exorcists now? There's the the first three, then there was kind of a prequel. There's this some... is apparently a sequel to it's... the 1973 original. Yeah, so you've got another family that's got another case of an ex of a possession of some sort, and so they reach out to somebody who may have been there before. Ellen Burstyn is back, and she was the mom in the original one. She's gone off and she's done a pretty good career. She was in Private Benjamin. She was in Clue. You haven't seen a whole lot from her recently, but she's back playing the role of. Uh, Chris McNeil. There's rumors that uh, Linda Blair, who played the daughter in the first one, who was possessed and showed up in the second one too, she might show up. She's not being promoted in any way, shape, or form. So, I'm not seeing it. So no. if she does, it's been totally kept under wraps. I make no promises. I'm, there's just question marks. That's to, an- it. to answer your question, this is the sixth total installment in Exorcist-related films, but this is a direct sequel. Yes. The original plan was that this was going to be a total reboot, but then they decided to adjust it a little bit, and it is going to be a sequel to the original 1973 one that everybody is very familiar with. So There's another series that's coming, Exorcist TV series. I don't know if this is going to tie into that at all. But 50 years later, it, yeah. that's that's really interesting. It, the question is, what's the story here? What can they do in terms of attaching it to that original one to try to build off of it? These movies are just inherently controversial anyway, and this one will be, I'm sure, no different. But uh, if it's done well and they've got a real reason to do it, it some of those are really good. The third Exorcist movie almost has nothing to do with any of the others, but it's standalone, and it's an excellent movie. It's got one of the best jump scares I've ever seen. Uh, that's worth checking out, and it's totally different. But this one, we'll see. By the way, this is apparently the first of a set of sequels that's going to be on the way. I think there's another one scheduled for 2025 by like what I said, I'm reading here. And like I said, the show is coming. This might be a push to kind of maybe build some Exorcist universe. I don't know. Uh, stay tuned. It, um, if this is something that interests you, again, we say this repeatedly. If you're interested in this, who cares what we say? Go see it. Absolutely. And if you love those horror movies and it's coming out middle of October, go see it. All right. October 27th, we have yet another horror entry. This one, though, is based on a bizarre story. We bring you Five Nights at Freddy's, which I was not familiar with at all until somebody else explained the story to me some time ago. And I heard that this was going to be coming out in theaters. You, Dave, are are a little bit more familiar with the story than I am. Again, I had heard it for the first time not too long ago. But tell us a little bit about where the inspiration for Five Nights at Freddy's came from. It's a video game. 
And so it's it's one of those video game treatments, but this one I think has got some good inspiration to it. Imagine uh, when Chuck E. Cheese was still a thing, and you go to Chuck E. Cheese, and at night, kind of like Night at the Museum, the animatronic robot band and so forth, like Showbiz Pizza, if you go back that far, uh, they come to life and they try to kill you. And so you have to survive these, these lovable animatronic robots that at night are sadistic killing machines. So that was the video game. So we're doing a film adaption to that. This is with Josh Hutcherson starring. This has got a great amount of talent attached to it. This really could be something that um, some people that are into this already and they already know about it. They love the game. They're very aware of this, so there is some hype. But as far as the general public goes, this really could be a sleeping giant. It really could go if it really has got the right treatment to it. I think the ingredients are there. We've talked about this before. The, on paper, it looks great, but the execution, that's the question mark right now. If they really do it well, and you've got great talent here, if they do it well, this could be a huge sleeper hit or it could be a missed opportunity. Um, remains to be seen, but I will say keep your eye on this movie, and if it interests you, go see it, and I hope it turns out well. That same weekend, we've got a film that's going to be on Netflix that's coming along. It's called Pain Hustlers. It's got some big names at the center of it. Chris Evans, Emily Blunt, who I believe is the main character on this. Andy Garcia is attached to this one, too. There are some good names that are involved with this story, but little bit vague as far as what else is going on here. Apparently, it's a conspiracy-related story involving uh, Emily Blunt's character taking a job at a pharmaceutical startup. There seems to be, every couple of years, Hollywood will do this, where there seems to be similar movies on a very similar premise that you wonder if somebody wrote it and some other studio got a version of it, changed it, and so you get two asteroid movies that come out close, two volcano and alien invasion movies. There's two pharmaceutical movies coming out. I know that um, Matthew Broderick is in one of them, and now this is the other one. So uh, pharmaceuticals, are they really in it for our best interest, or is it just a money grab, more or less, seems to be what the general premise of both of these movies are. It's based off a book, by the way, too. So this could be an interesting one. You've got great talent around it, and that usually means at least on the page, you've got something very good there. Hopefully, it's always a collaboration. Sometimes things can fall apart, but it's another one worth keeping your eye on. And again, it's going to be a Netflix release, but as it's starting to become the norm, it could get some limited theatrical release. So be aware for Pain Hustlers, scheduled the uh, end of October. Calling all Dune fans. Part two hits theaters November 3rd. It looks epic. It looks huge. It's got the main characters back, Timothy Chalamet, Zendaya, Rebecca Ferguson, ready to go again with Dune Part 2. I still have not seen the first one. I People who are, are fans of Dune, they're, they're just fans of Dune. They are enormous fans of this, and the first one, very well received, and it did very well, too. And now they're looking to capitalize on it and follow it up with the continuation of the story. It's a book. It's been done into a film once before back in the mid-80s. I have seen way, that one. Way different one. I've oh, yeah. seen I've seen clips of it in a little bit. It's such a different vibe all around Very. compared to these. I've seen that movie. I didn't love it. I thought it was a beautiful looking movie, but then watching it, I it just I did not get onto that. I just didn't. It just didn't grab me. I hear the the new one that came out and I haven't seen part one. Uh, I hear it's truly fantastic. One day I will get around to seeing it. It does interest me, um, but I just haven't seen it. But the response to it was 
huge. And so you need to get a proper ending to it, and now we're going to get it. So pretty much at least everybody that was in the first movie that their character lived will be in this movie back. Also, Austin Butler, Florence Pugh, and Christopher Walken among those also in Dune Part 2. I... I'm trying to figure out here, is this going? Is there going to be more? Apparently there is interest in making a third film, but uncertain. Like, we knew Dune Part 2 was going to be on the way when the first one was released, but it's not, not 100% certain yet if this is going to be the end of the series or not. So you know, we'll see. complications with the first screen treatment of Dune, I understand, was that there's so much in the book and not all of it made it to the movie. So some people didn't like it for that. It was already kind of overblown. They were smart about this. Look, let's cut it in two. If they're going to try to stuff another one, I hope it's not well let there. We'll just we just won't put everything in the second one even though that was the plan because the first one did great. Let's see if we can stretch it into a third one. Ah, uh, careful with that last part. That could be a problem. I hope that we're going to do this correctly. Uh, I think good aspirations for this. This could be one of the strongest movies that comes out for this last trimester of 2023. So Dune Part 2 coming out uh, right off the bat in November. November 10th is a pretty busy day and weekend going on at the box office. It wouldn't be one of these movie previews that we're doing without talking about some kind of Marvel release. And that brings us to The Marvels. Following up Captain Marvel and the introduction of Brie Larson's character onto the big screen, she's back once again and apparently has some other characters that she's going to be interacting with quite a bit as part of the latest in her story within the larger Marvel story. Do I want to be the grump? Do I want to be... You've already kind of taken I that c- tone. You, I will say, though, Dave, uh, this is this is all kind of me and Dave here talking here. You have warned against not reading too much into early buzz on movies before. Because I, I know where you're going on this. You've warned against not reading into it too much, but you do often share... I've heard about this, I've heard about this, and at least throw that out there while also giving it as a caveat. If I was an X-Man, my mutant superhero ability would be two things. I could tell when squirrels are afraid, and I can tell just by watching the trailer with a 90% accuracy whether the movie will be any good. I saw the trailer for this one, and it just looked like garbage men had built the trailer and put it together. It was a mess. There was no narrative. It just seemed like random clips thrown together with a lot of whoosh sound effects. And it was a mess. It just, and I've heard buzz behind the scenes. I liked the first Captain Marvel. I really did. I know there was some pushback on some things that I didn't get. Uh, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, this one, I think the superhero franchise overall, whether it's DC or Marvel or anything else, the cracks have been showing. They're getting wider. I think fatigue is certainly setting in. But if you keep building good things, people will come. But there's been so much criticism about many of these movies that have come out that it's we're just making them to make them. Um, Well, we got to do this one because we promised so-and-so we were going to give a standalone or blah-blah-blah. I... This could be a real problem. And we've already had a couple of big things this past summer. Indiana Jones comes to mind. Mission Impossible comes to mind. That, you know, regardless of the reviews, Mission Impossible had actually really good reviews. But people just didn't go see it. The the movie didn't necessarily bomb, but it seriously underperformed. This is a Marvel tentpole action movie that's going to be coming out pre-Thanksgiving. But still, 
it I, this could be a bomb. It really could. Well, the Marvel's director just recently in in an interview said that the idea of this movie is to have a little bit of a more zany and silly kind of tone compared to what they've done previously. Maybe in an attempt to try to offset that idea of superhero fatigue not just becoming something that people are going, when's it going to happen? But that it may truly be upon us right now and yeah. taking place. So this could be an effort to really try to change that up. There's going to be some new characters that Carol Danvers is going to interact with. We'll get Nick Fury as well, by the way. Samuel L. Jackson is going to be involved with this one. But a lot of uncertainty, especially because, like you said, they're trying to find a way to be able to do something different within a genre that well and truly is is suddenly getting getting to be questioned of, is it getting stale? Everything post-Avengers Endgame has been kind of hit and miss. Some have been really good. Some have not been all that good. Um, I don't know which category this is going to fall into. I'm honestly hopeful. I don't want to, wow, this movie is going to be bad. I hope they're good. I really, really do. But I'm just getting more and more vibe the closer we get and the more that I see and the more I learn. It's not smelling good. It smells like when I've let my trash sit too long. I hope it turns out well, but just be wary. Take a closer look. But The Marvels comes out November 10th. Across the theater could be another good one because David Fincher, I haven't seen him do any wrong yet. Now, not everything is up my alley. Are you sure this will be in theaters? Because it's a Netflix release. Again, a lot of them get some sort of limited theatrical release. Not all of them, but it's a possibility. And if people aren't going to see the Marvels, then they might be staying home for Netflix. The Killers is coming out. David Fincher. The Killer. The Killer. Yeah, you're right. Uh, this is David Fincher, director. He's done uh, uh, Gone Girl. He did, funny enough, we mentioned, we will be mentioning the Alien movies coming up. He did the third Alien movie. He did seven. He knows how to social build. Social network. He, social network. He knows when it comes to this genre how to make a tight, atmospheric, stylish, suspenseful thriller. Michael Fassbender is in this. Uh, there's no trailer yet. The poster just came out. Uh, looks, you know, kind of. David Fincher-esque. Apparently, according to reports, he's brought back the duo that did the music for Social Network, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, to do the music for this one, too. This could really be a good... Oh, what do you want to call it? Uh, A good something to sink your teeth into. Um, The tone seems to be, to me right now, again, this this is still kind of a ways out. They haven't really lifted the veil too much on it, so everything is still a subject for... Just be aware of it. I think it really could be... I'm getting the vibe that it's much more edgy, uh, darker, psychological. Psychological. Well, this is the guy who did Fight Club. Oh yeah. So, so this and David Fincher knows how to put these things together. He's not just the director; he's a little more hands-on than that. Um, Keep your eye on the killer. It'll be coming out on November 10th. If you've been to see Oppenheimer, then you have more than likely seen the trailer for this movie that I put on the list, The Holdovers, which is coming out November 10th. And it's got a really good cast. Paul Giamatti is at the center of it, and it's his character who's who's really at the center of this story about this. It, it goes back to the 1970s, and you know that automatically because... The trailer is maybe the most well-crafted trailer of the year. Like, we've talked about trailers before. We did an episode. And it fully embraces the 1970s. From the way the trailer is done to having a voiceover guy talking. Which you don't hear anymore. The font to just some of the, the wording and the way that they do it. Like, it's... It's all 70s with this vibe, and it's about this 
this teacher at this school who is greatly disliked by everybody. So he stays over the Christmas holiday in 1970 to supervise students who stay there, holdovers who are not going to be making the journey home. Only one guy gets left who's a troublemaker, and he and this teacher, as well as the head cook, end up bonding together in a very unlikely way during this time. So it's going to be in theaters in November. The trailer alone was really, really intriguing just because it it had a classic 70s trailer style to it from Focus Features, and that made it kind of interesting. This one really could be an interesting one. Uh, it looks like more of a character piece, more than plot uh, coming together. In a weird way, it almost looks like some sort of a different, totally different vibe on scent of a woman, I guess. Two totally different people that are going to find some kind of common ground. Um, worth checking out. Well, Paul Giamatti is, is yeah. quite good, too. He's so good in good everything. Start. I've seen him in bad movies, but he's always got a great role in every movie he does. He's He knows how to do it. Um, I, I Just because I don't want to be the grump, I don't even want to mention the next one. I'm going to let you do it. Wow. You I are, really don't. You are in a foul mood today. For your standards, Hunger Games Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. Yes, the Hunger Games persists on. This will be coming out on November uh, November 17th. Um, as this is, well, this is now the fifth film in the series in total. This is a prequel. Uh, as this goes back to the 10th Hunger Games with this one and establishing some background story, I suppose, with uh, with Snow. Uh, his character is going to be involved in here uh, with this one. And it is gonna. It is based off of another book that was created. So Suzanne Collins released this book back in May of 2020, obviously capitalizing on what was achieved with the previous three books and then the four films that came from them. It's a continuation of the story. For those who are really into the Hunger Games, I, I think this is certainly going to appeal to them and be of interest to them. Uh, some interesting names in the cast, uh, Peter Dinklage, Viola Davis, uh, Jason Schwartzman, who who come to mind, uh, who stand out immediately. But it's a prequel. It's a way to extend it on. It's a way to make some money. That's, that's what Dave is gesturing to me right now. Yes, Dave, I, I get that. But then there's others. That, you know, they they really hit something good. They might have a reason to do it again. And so the Trolls movie that came out a few years ago, well, now they band together in a sequel. <laughs> Literally, that's the title. The first one had such a catchy song to it that Justin Timberlake, who's back for this one also, uh, had a lot to do with Anna Kendrick. Can't stop the feeling. Can't stop it. And they're not going to stop it for this sequel. This one looks good. It's got a good vibe to it. It's just got a good kind of a mood to it, which I could definitely use a little sprinkling of. Um, it, this one could be a good one. So if you need a bit of a day brightener. For this, the kids. For the yeah. kids. So bring this one for the kids. I think the adults are going to like it too. If nothing else, I'll bet you the soundtrack is going to be snappy. This next movie is one that I'm familiar with the story behind. And I heard that they were going to be doing a film treatment for it. I hadn't heard that they got Michael Fassbender for Next Goal Wins, which is coming from Searchlight on November 17th. And I know the story behind this. It's one of the most infamous stories in the world of soccer. Well, it's almost like Bad News Bears, but with soccer in, yes. in a lot of ways. It's the story of American Samoa who lost a game by a score of 31 to nil back in 2001 and received international press for it for for losing so badly. So the the story is going to base be based around how this all took place and about 
it, it's an inspirational story of, of how they tried to work to turn this team into winners. Thomas Rongen was the name of this manager, and that's who Michael Fassbender will be playing. Taika Waititi is going to be the director of the film, too. This one really could be good. This is going to be, it looks like a character-driven, but also pretty strong on the plot kind of thing. Um, Michael Fassbender, we've already talked about him. He'll be in a movie about a week or two before this, The Killer. And this is going to be a totally different take. Uh, just the same actor in totally different roles um, that couldn't be further apart from one another. A lovable schlub is the kind of the way he comes across who doesn't really want to be involved in this, but something tells me he's going to find the heart of these players and really try to get in there and, oh gosh, let's let's go for it. Let's make this happen and turn this around. This could be a good one to check out right around Thanksgiving. Speaking of Thanksgiving, that same weekend, Eli Roth directing the film Thanksgiving, which is based off a mock trailer? Yep. So, you know, Black Christmas, classic 70s horror movie. Halloween, classic 70s horror movie that started a huge franchise that only recently has continued to go. The vibe I'm getting here is that we're going to do a straight-up horror movie with some comedic elements. We just needed Nuthern Holiday to build something around. So imagine it's going to be like a Halloween it's going to be a horror movie, a slasher movie, based around a different holiday that hasn't really had any movies around it. There aren't a lot of Thanksgiving movies, really, if you think about it. And if you don't get enough scary stuff out of your system at the end of October, Thanksgiving is coming up. You've got Patrick Dempsey, Gina Gershon will be supporting roles in this. Uh, newer cast will be kind of up front and center, but Eli Roth behind this one directing it. This is going to be one to keep your eye on, but it, it could be hit or miss, honestly. But I'm optimistic. Apparently, this was a mock trailer in the 2007 film Grindhouse. Yep. And Roth was involved with that. And now it's actually being made into a movie. Well, it's Grind- like Machete. You yep. know, it was a trailer yeah. that was pretend and they made it into a real movie. But this is one of those, are they doing it just to do it? No, there's there's inspired. What if we really, and they've germinated on this one a long time ago and they've marinated on it ever since. And now it is... It's going to pop up into something that really could be something fun. Because it was originally a thing that was part of a double feature film, and now it's actually becoming a real It was meant to be a joke, and it's just kind of become its own thing, and now the joke is actually coming around, and they're going to do it for real. It might be the... uh, it might be the record in Guinness, I suppose, of the longest wait between the trailer and the release of the actual movie. <laughs> Could be. Technically, I think you're right. Could be. All right. November 22nd. Tell us about Wish. Disney's got another one coming out. They're kind of being tight on some of the, the ideas here, but it's basically traveling to a fantasy world. Um, is really all I know about it. And a lot of the voice cast I'm not all that familiar with. Wishing on a star. Wishing on idea. a star is the idea, but exactly much more beyond that. Stay tuned. This is, you know, we're still talking right around Thanksgiving. People got, you know, kids are off of school. You've got holiday break. Uh, going to see Disney and the latest that they've come up with. This could be an interesting one. It could be a good one. And Disney animation around the holidays tends to be pretty good. So if the story's good, I think good things will happen here. That same day, we've got two other releases that details have been emerging about. One of them will be on Apple TV+, and this is the epic Napoleon with Joaquin Phoenix as the French leader. And this is also directed by a pretty prominent name as well, which Dave mentioned earlier in the podcast. Ridley Scott has got another epic to go, so we've got the Napoleon movie. 
I would be totally surprised if this didn't spend at least a weekend in a movie theater. It very well could. But again, it's scheduled for a Netflix thing. And being as it is so high profile, uh, it might stay away from theaters. But we couldn't not mention it. Um, Ridley Scott is the king of epics. Um, I hope this is sort of a comeback for him. I am a Ridley Scott fan, but I haven't seen a really, really good Ridley Scott nailed it, hit it out of the park since Gladiator. He's got some great movies under his belt and not really any of them in the last 20 years, says I. This, I hope, turns that around. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah. It looks really big Epic. on production value, but at the center of it apparently is going to be a real examination, a big examination of his relationship with Josephine, his wife, and their rather volatile relationship that they had. Apparently that's going to be a big part of how this plays out. Vanessa Kirby is going to play her. This should be interesting. This should be good. This is something definitely worth checking out. I really do want to see Ridley Scott make a bit of a comeback here. Uh, This could be that. The same day, there's also a release that will be on Netflix, and the trailer for this literally just came out yesterday, so that's why it came to my attention. And this is Maestro. This is going to be a biographical movie about American composer Leonard Bernstein, or Bernstein. I, Either I've heard, either. I've heard people say both. And the relationship with his wife, which will be at the center of it. Now, what's interesting is it's directed by Bradley Cooper, Producers include Martin Scorsese and Steven Spielberg, and Cooper is also starring as Leonard Bernstein, and then it'll also feature, I mean, it's it's a really good cast. They've got Carey Mulligan is going to play his wife in the movie as well. There's others who are going to be involved too. A mix of black and white and color is what was seen in the uh, in the trailer. So it's going to be about his career, but also especially about the relationship with his wife, too. This tends to be about that time of the year that a lot of the critical darlings start to come out, and this could be one of those. And they're not all going to the big screen these days. So uh, worth checking out. He is truly one of the great voices uh, musically of uh, really any generation. So this could be a good one. And Cooper has uh, done some fantastic things here as of late, winning some Oscars. Will he strike again? We'll find out. That's going to be coming up at the end of November for Maestro hitting Netflix. All right, into December, Dave. Poor Things. This is a book that's now being done into the big screen treatment. Uh, Somewhat of a popular book. Will it translate well on screen? You've got some great talent around it. We haven't seen a lot of Emma Stone lately, but she's coming back from whatever hiatus she's been, at least from my radar. Mark Ruffalo. uh, Ruffalo, I can't say his name. I'm sorry, Mark. My apologies. Mark Ruffalo. I got that. Willem Dafoe. Um, This really could be an interesting one. Uh, Good book from what I've heard. It's good enough to get a big screen adaptation to it. So, Worth checking out. Poor things. All right. Yeah, that's going to be early December, December 8th. I saw the trailer for this next one coming along. What's going to be the latest take on the story of Willy Wonka? We're going to find out with Wonka, Timothy Chalamet at the center of it as the chocolatier and inventor, as that's going to be December 15th, and it's going to be about his origin by the looks of it and how Wonka came to be Wonka. Just the latest telling and story of that with a very well-known actor of the present day and a superstar, a super young star in Timothy Chalamet being the inventor. You know, something interesting that gives me some optimism here. I've heard some, why would you want to be in this? The last one that came out with Johnny Depp was kind of eh. The uh, Gene Wilder one from the 70s is kind of its own classic, but eh. 
why would you want to be involved with this? What got you into it? He said, honestly, there's I, I want something that's kind of positive. I think people could use a positive escape that's just good. And reading the script, it just seemed like it had all those elements that I'd like to escape from. So I said yes. And any chance you can get to have Hugh Grant be an Oompa Loompa alongside <laughs> you, that, <laughs> that can be part of it too. Keegan-Michael Key is in it, Olivia Coleman and others. Uh, so Wonka coming out December 15th. I, this is If this is up your alley, you definitely want to check it out. And everybody else... If it interests you, like we always say, go see it. Having seen the trailer, I I can see that that is sort of the vibe that they're going for here with this movie is really trying to bring something that's going to touch the heartstrings a little bit. So it seems like that's the initial idea and plan with this one. All right, December 20th, DC is stepping into the realm for the end of the year because we have the Aquaman sequel. That's The Lost Kingdom with Jason Momoa and company back again. You know, that first one came out, and to me anyway, it was surprising how well it was received. It just kind of was Superman you expect to do well. Batman you know is going to do well. Wonder Woman really kind of surprised and really just nailed it. And then out came Aquaman, and I was thinking, I don't know, and it just became a huge hit. Uh, really kind of uh, cemented uh, Jason Momoa to a higher level, and he's done some good things. He's an upstanding good guy. So here comes the next one now. You've got uh, Willem Dafoe involved in this. Nicholas, or Nicholas, I'm sorry, Nicole Kidman, I apologize, uh, are involved in this. The DC kind of needs a hit. Wonder Woman kind of fell apart with the sequel, 1984. Will they go on with that? Eh, maybe not. Um, and after Aquaman, how things went with The Flash earlier yeah, this year, the, too. The Flash is, they don't even want to release that on the Max streaming network right now. It was that bad. DC needs a hit. Uh, I'd like to see Aquaman uh, continue to surprise like the first one. I hope it does. I really do. Uh, Amber Heard is associated with this, and she just lost a big civil case with Johnny Depp, but she's not exactly in the best of light right now. Oh, boy. So we definitely could see DC stand to do things better. Let's see if this is going to do it. So the new Aquaman movie, it, it could surprise me. I hope that it does. All right, on to December 22nd, and... We've got another animated film that's coming along here with Migration that's going to be released. This is a, a Universal-based one. Yeah, you got a bunch of ducks that it's time for migrating south when the wintertime comes. But what if you've got Dad to just, eh, I don't want to go. It seems like it's going to be a fun drag-your-feet kind of comedy, more or less. Great voice cast, Elizabeth Banks. I don't think she can do anything wrong. She's marvelous. Carol Kane, Keegan-Michael Key. We've got a couple of names that have popped up a couple of different times, so he's going to be competing with himself and he, key and peel if you're not familiar uh he this could be a great voice cast it really could be fun kumail nanjiani danny devito yep. aquafina all involved with it too yeah good really really good cast uh that they've got for <laughs> um a different concept when it comes to something animated but one that we're all familiar with with uh ducks roaming around it here sounds and there like and fun it sounds like a fun movie and if it uh, delivers i think it's going to be a hit and it's going to come out right around christmas time christmas break kids are home from school they want to see stuff um this could be a good one so comes out right around then same weekend that the adults might want to go check out the other one Rebel Moon. On Netflix, apparently. And this is the return of Zack Snyder to the director's chair. We've talked about Zack Snyder before. He is excellent when it comes to style. He lacks points when it comes to substance. Um, He's got a, a track record behind him that is, to call it, mixed 
is generous. You know, whether it was getting into the superhero movies, uh, the Man of Steel movies, and of course Justice League, and his version of that before things kind of went a little sideways with him behind the scenes and he had to step away from the project. Um, 300, he's got a track record of beautiful looking movies that don't quite stick the landing. I would like to see him make a comeback. I've been critical of him in the past. I hope that coming back in, it's not, well, just welcome back here. Do whatever you want. Always learning from some mistakes. He's got a great cast around him with this thing. Uh, Sophia Butella, Anthony Hopkins. It There's no trailer yet. I've seen the poster. It looks like it's going to be artistically, stylistically beautiful. And that is something that he's always had as a strength. It's the other part of that coin, the other side of that Oreo cookie that he needs to get right. There needs to be substance to go with the style. Yeah, this is being described as an epic space opera film, which sounds about right for a Zack Snyder movie, that it's going to be big in scale, big on production value, big on all of those things. But can they get it right? Can he get it right otherwise with adding more beyond just that they're clearly hoping for more and not just in this one outing hopefully this is a part one and there will be more to follow that's the idea that's the hope but you got you know there was a lot of things that were supposed to be a part one of a multi thing and it just didn't happen because part one just kind of on delivery Zack Snyder needs to prove himself. He just does. He just does. And this has got to be one of those where I really hope he does. I hope he's going to get more substance to go with the style. Style he does not need help with. He's got that down. But if it's a beautiful, boring, beautiful, confusing, beautiful, I don't like this movie, then people aren't going to like the movie. And it's just not going to work out. But Rebel Moon, getting a release, even if it is a streamer so close to Christmas time, They've clearly got some faith in this, and so let's hope it's going to come through. And apparently they are planning a limited release in theaters, too. December 25th brings a variety of different movies that are coming along as we get to the very end of of looking ahead here, starting with the newest version of The Color Purple that's going to be hitting theaters. And what's really interesting here, it's the second time it's been made into a film based off the novel. Steven Spielberg had directed the first one. We talked about that during the Spielberg uh, episode that we did. Great movie. This is going to feature the film debut of Fantasia Barino. And if that name sounds familiar, it should, because she is the Fantasia of American Idol fame. She's got the chops to um, sing it. I'm not aware if this is a musical or if this is just straight up acting. But this was all, if you got to go back to the source material, Alice Walker did the book, and it's a fabulous book, and the Spielberg movie really kind of launched Whoopi Goldberg, who had the lead role in this. And she was kind of known, but not as, this was a drama. This is not a comedy. This is straight drama. And she nailed that role. Even Oprah Winfrey, who you knew barely as a talk show host at this point, she showed up in it and nailed it. Danny Glover was in it. Um, so Fantasia is best known as a singer. Can she act? I don't know. Is this a musical version? I don't know. Um, but the source material is beloved. It's classic. The Spielberg version, if you've never checked it out. And it's so non-Spielbergian, but it's definitely worth checking out, if that was a new word I just made up. Um, this really could be good. And being as it's coming out Christmas Day, um, does say something that they think it's going to do something good around award season. Some of the critical darlings will sometimes get a limited release at the tail end of a year, right around Christmas, maybe go something a little more wide in early January, just so it's eligible for the upcoming 2024 Academy Awards. Um, the fact that it's going to be in there says something about it. Yeah, so that's going to be coming out on the 25th. It actually was supposed to be on the 20th, but then that was moved because of Aquaman yep. and with that release going on too. 
Uh, these other two projects, these are entirely new and unfamiliar to me. Sure. The one is The Boys in the Boat. This is directed by George Clooney and is going to be coming out on the 25th as well. And it's about the members of the rowing team of the University of Washington working toward competing for gold in the 1936 Olympics. Yeah, this will be a drama. This is going to be one of those that, like I just said, some of the critical darlings, they want to get it out before the calendar year comes to an end because in order to be eligible for the upcoming Oscars, which will be next spring in 2024, it needs to come out in the year 2023. So they need to get it out. It'll be a limited release that's coming out on Christmas Day, which is actually, uh, even so many of us have got time off, Christmas Day is actually a very popular day to go to the movies. So it does come up. Um, this will be a good one. This is going to be George Clooney's directing it, we mentioned. I don't think he shows up in the movie. He's actually a very good director, if you're not aware. He really kind of hit that big in the uh, early through the 2000s. A couple of good movies come out. Um, this really could be good. This has got some uh, uh, some history to it. It's a true story. People love those uh, Hoosier-type movies, except this is Hoosiers in a boat in a lot of ways, if you want to look at it like that. So The Boys in the Boat coming out Christmas Day. And that brings us to the last one that I saw also scheduled for Christmas Day. Michael Mann, if you're not familiar with him, he is he is what I want to see Zack Snyder become. He is very stylistic, but he also has the other element that Zack Snyder lacks. He's got substance there. He was generally the guy who was largely in charge of Miami Vice, the TV show. And he did the movie, which didn't really work out so well. But a lot of other great movies, if you saw Collateral with Jamie Foxx and Tom Cruise, great movie. I mean, it's beautifully shot. It's got great substance to it. The Last of the Mohicans, yeah. as well as Ali, yeah. Heat. Yep. He knows his stuff. Ferrari is the name of this movie, I should say. I think I kind of skipped over the title. Adam Driver, Penelope Cruz. There's not a lot known about this movie yet because, again, it's coming out. At the Adam tail Driver end of the year. as Enzo Ferrari okay. as well. Yep. It's apparently going to be set at one particular point in time where Ferrari was really having struggles when it came to his career and going from being a racer to dealing with bankruptcy with his company and then centering around one particular race where where things it looked like started to turn around it's based on the biography on Enzo Ferrari the man and the machine this just because of the talent involved and Michael Mann behind the scenes of it um, this is one you want to keep your eye on. This could be one of those that uh, when the Oscars do come around, I haven't seen a lot of these movies. Ferrari's probably going to be on that list of something that's nominated for something. Um, just put it on your radar now when it comes up. So Ferrari, Michael Mann. And no, good. not attached to Ford versus no, no. Ferrari Very in different. any way. Very yes. different. Just a different point in time in history Yes, by the looks of it. Similar cars, and I guess, in a way, but that that's about it. This is, we mentioned before, in no way, shape, or form, the definitive list of what's coming out in 2023. There might be a couple things that have so far escaped our radar. There could be some shifts in the schedule or anything else. Um, Lord forbid COVID comes back or anything else. Um, but this is going to be fun. You're going to get a couple of movies, and I don't want it to get down on a lot of these movies, but some of them, honestly, I felt had it coming. Well, And I want to be honest. What's also interesting, though, is, yes, we've got the sequelitis element to this list and continuation of projects and franchises. But I'm glad that we had so many different kinds of films to point out and to look at for this edition. Like it was, it was cool to see projects that seem like they have either an original story or something that's based off a book or something that's maybe a little bit different than, than what we're used to getting that that's hitting with some of these big tent poles. 
Maybe we'll get a sleeper or two that end up doing well here down the stretch at the end of the year. I I'm don't know. Ho- I'm hopeful for a sleeper, honestly, because I, I won't lie. There's not any one movie that's coming out that's like, I am there. So the next question that comes, okay, so what's the one of the list? What's the one you want to see? None of them, really. Now, there's a lot of them that I would like to see, but I'm not making an appointment viewing on any of them. I'd like to see Five Nights at Freddy's. I think Totally Killer sounds like it really could be a total steal. And others like it. You know, maybe I'll go check out the new Dune movie, the first Dune movie, so I could see the second one when it comes out. I mean, I've heard it's really good, and I probably should see it. Um, I might have some time to do it. If you're um, a horror fan, you've got a wealth of options yeah. to choose from. Yeah. But there isn't any one that's just got me going crazy. But, you know, despite that, um, there I, sometimes you need to open up your palate a little bit and go see something that, well, everyone's talking about it. Well, I'll go check it out. You know, I'm sure somebody, when the first Star Wars came out, I don't know about space lasers, and uh, then they went and saw it, and it became a huge phenomenon. It's, you know, who knows? So if something interests you, even just a little bit, and you've got some time, go see it. Go check something out. If it's uh, interesting to you in the least, and a great spot to go check out any of these movies, you can say it with me, is right off of Highway 2 between Bemidji and Wilton, the Bemidji CEC theaters. Oh, sorry. That's I thought okay. we were just going to say Bemidji Theater, but you added the CEC part in. They like that. You said say it with me. Eh, that's okay. <laughs> I was talking to everybody. And Missy, too. Uh, Tell Missy and the crew we said hi because uh, she's always there when I come up with a big smiley face and hands me over my ticket and tells me have a good time. So go see a show at the Bemidji Theater, whether it is as we wrap up the summertime and get into the fall and before the snow starts flying, there are going to be some great shows to wrap up 2023. We might not get a Barbenheimer out there that suddenly becomes not just a movie phenomenon, but a pop culture phenomenon, but you never know. That's part of the fun. I don't think we totally saw that coming to the extent that it did when we looked during the summer preview and went, hey, they're being released on the same weekend. That could get really interesting. We thought that was going to be a problem. It ended up being much the opposite. So you just never quite know. We could have a surprise. That you know, comes our way. I know, like I said, I'm hoping for a couple of sleeper hits here. Uh, I hope Dune 2 does well. I hope Zack Snyder really starts to make a bit of a comeback. Same with Ridley Scott. Um, I really don't you know, want to get pessimistic on some of these things, but I just give you my honest first impression take, and I could be totally wrong. It wouldn't be the first time. So by all means, prove me wrong. Let's see some great movies. And again, if it doesn't matter what this idiot says. If there's something, but I really wanted to see the such and such movie, then go see the go such and such movie. Go check it out. See yeah. it, even if you know you're not going to like it, but you like such and such an actor or you like the subject or whatever, I got to find out for myself. Yes, do that. Go see a movie, preferably at the Bemidji CEC Theaters. So enjoy the rest of the year ahead at the box office with the films to come. We'll keep you updated on it as we go through the rest of the year. But until next time, that is it for this edition of Rick and Nick Talk Flicks. I'm Joel Hoover. I'm the Grump. (laughs) He's Dave Brooks. And we will see you at the movies. 